Good morning, everybody. I was tasking Tammy the other day, and I was like, I wonder when the day will come when I'll never hear the word COVID again, social distance, mask wearing. I know, I know we're, you know, Dr. Fauci said America's getting weary, and we are. And, uh, and so, you know, we were closed for a couple weeks and, because we thought that was the right thing to do. And we, but we also want to continue to worship the Lord. And uh, so we're glad you're here this morning. And last Sunday was to be Pastor Appreciation. Uh, and we want to recognize our pastors this morning and, and let them know that we love them. You know, last year we had a big celebration. We did a big potluck. We had food brought in. Man, I look forward to when we can do that again. Uh, we just don't feel like we do that safely right now. And, and, you know, what, what troubles everybody has a, a strong opinion. And one thing that bothers me about it a little bit, it even seems to divide the body of Christ. But I want to challenge you this morning. Let's don't let this divide the body of Christ. Let's don't let that happen to us. Clearly, Satan would be involved in that to try to divide us over these issues. There's no distance in prayer. Yes, we might have to distance somewhat physically, but this is a time more than ever to pray for each other. So I want to challenge you this week as you go through the week that you find some time to pray, to pray for uh, our church and to pray for our congregation. But what I want to do, I want to jump right on this. I want to ask uh, Brother Michael and Sister Christy to step up here if they don't mind. And Brother James, you can't forget him. And we got one more in there brewing, huh? So, Michael, how long have you been with us now? We started January 2011. January of 11? Okay. So, Brother Michael came to us in January of, of 2011, and um, we were coming back from Sister Kay's house recently after Brother Bobby passed, and I asked Michael, I said, Michael, do you, uh, do you believe that you're called to ministry uh, full-time? And he said, yes, I do. And we had some conversations around that about how difficult that's going to be, because Dealing with people in leadership positions with people is hard no matter what, but particularly spiritually. And so we talked about that a little bit. And, and um, in a church like ours, a somewhat of a smaller church, sometimes those in leadership and in ministry positions on staff, they have to be the jack of all, the proverbial jack of all trades. Now, sometimes that's followed by master of none, but that's not really true of Michael. So, but I think sometimes we forget what goes on behind the scenes to make a church function. Everything from the, the technical work, if I need something technically, I'll call Brother Michael, can you get this, can you get this video up for me? Uh, and then he teaches our youth, he teaches on Wednesday night, he just, he just does a lot for Bethel. And he's had a tremendous impact on my family's life, and I know on many of your lives, not just our children, but our families. And then I got news for you, Sister Christy, once he was called, so were you. <laughs> It's a package deal, and I'm sure Pastor Don and Sister Carol will tell you that. It's a package deal, and, and we thank God for everything that you do. She's as much a part of the youth. Uh, she sings. She's got a beautiful voice, and she sings, and she, uh, she works like a, like a dog during VBS. And there's just a lot that Sister Christy does, and also maintaining a job, being a mom, running a I don't know how they do it all, but they do it. And so we just wanted to thank you this morning for everything that you've done for us, that you do for the kingdom of God, that you... And there was a couple of scriptures that came to mind when I thought about you all, and I just wanted to share them with you. And Brother Michael, was, after we talked about our conversation, I thought about Galatians 6, 9, when Paul was talking to the church at Galatia. And he said, let us not grow weary while doing good. 
For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I know you will be weary at times because the ministry is going to bring it. And, but don't grow weary in doing it because in due season, you will reap a reward. And, and you already have in many ways. And if you look around the lives of people that you've touched, my family, Colin, who's now a missionary in a foreign country, much because of your influence. And so I love you. The church loves you. And we just wanted to give you something as a token of our appreciation and let you know that we love you. Pastor Don and Sister Carol, if you will step up here with us. Yes, sir. You can stand wherever you want. You're the pastor. <laughs> um, I had a scripture for pastor. It was like, your old men shall dream dreams. No, it wasn't pastor. It really wasn't. <laughs> I had to lighten this thing up a little bit. I think we come in with a little bit of apprehension this morning, but we want to be joyful. And we want to be joyful as we celebrate our pastor and, and Sister Carol. And as I thought about you guys, I, um, the first kind of scripture that came to mind, it was only a portion of the scripture, was patient and tribulation. But I read that entire text, and it reads like this. It comes out of Romans 12, 9 through 13. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in affliction, continually steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. I read those characteristics, and I've seen those characteristics in you too my whole time here. And I just want you to tell you how much I appreciate you, how much the church appreciates you. We love you. And we have watched you be patient. In affliction. We've seen you trust the Lord in some very difficult times. And, and it, to me, that just shows the genuineness of faith. Uh, when someone takes and goes through the tremendous trial of life and just trusts in God. And we've seen you do that over and over. And then come out on the other side with joy and as an example uh, as how we should live. And so the last scripture that um, comes to mind uh, is... Hebrews 13 and 7, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It's often said that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And there's been many ways, Pastor Don, that I've sought to imitate you. And so I love you. And this church loves you. Sister Carol, we love you. Sister Carol has a very unique uh, gift of, of a prophetic word of encouragement. If she says something to you about you, take it to heart. She's done that with me a couple times. If she's done it with you, listen to it. It comes straight from the heart of God. So I love you guys. The church loves you. We have something here we want to give you as an appreciation, a token of our appreciation. This church has always been so dear to me, and this coming February, I'll be uh, pastoring this church for 52 years. It's a long time to do anything. Several ways that this church shows us appreciation, not just by this gift, and, but this church uh, 
with its leadership. And a lot of times the leaders are working behind the scenes. Uh, I've, as I said, I've been pastoring 52 years. I've never had the unity any better, any better than we have now with this church. The staff meetings, the staff that works here, uh, it is amazing uh, how we work together. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I've, I've, I've had some times when it, we, it was not the working together. And then our board, I really appreciate our board and how it, it pulls together. And uh, so I, I just really appreciate it. Brother Larry, thank you for all you do and uh, thank the church for all that you do. Thank you for being here today. As most of you know, we did not have service last Sunday. Uh, we were concerned and we gave, gave it 14 days. And so everything we feel like is, is going to be okay. Uh, I have my mask in my pocket, so at the end of the sermon, I'll put the mask on, and uh, if you'd like to be ministered to, feel like feel free to come. Uh, if you'd like to be ministered where you are there in your seat or standing, we'll do that also. I would like for everyone, and thank you for being here, thank you for watching online, and we appreciate that so very much. I would like for everyone that is here to have an outline of the sermon. Uh, there's some on the little tables next to the uh, sound booth. Just feel free to get up where you are. You are not distract. And because there's a, I want you to, to look at all the outline, but there's, there are a couple places on here that I feel very strong that will revolutionize our lives if we'll do that. If we'll abide by these principles and these truths that we have. Uh, I would like to read some scripture, and I think Brother Mark has these on the screen. I'll be reading from the New King James Version uh, of the Bible. And uh, we take uh, this, these, this text from John, especially from John chapter 1, and then we'll go to John chapter 4. <clears throat> you can't find a, in my opinion, you can't find a better book in the Bible for, especially for new converts or for us to study than St. John. It is a, he was the beloved disciple. This is a beloved book. It, it, you know, I, I studied this book this week and I, it just feels warm. That's, a, that's my way of expressing how I feel when I read St. John. It feels warm. It, it feels so personal. And I hope you'll sense that today as we share and as you read, but we begin with uh, verse 29 of chapter 1. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Verse 32. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. That word remain is twice there. I did not know him. That's twice. I did not know him. But he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and re 
maining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Verse 35. Again, the next day, John stood with his two disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples who heard him speak followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, seeing them following, uh, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, it's translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw there he was, uh, they came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Let's go to verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from the Bethsaida, the city of Andrew. And notice how all these tie in together. The city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him who Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile or in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things, he says to him. Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Father, we pray your blessings upon this time studying your word. Speak to our hearts. Reveal to us the great, great, great truths of St. John, of your word, of your spoken word, of your, 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 your holy word. Speak to us in Christ's name. Amen. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Let me introduce you to Jesus. I know with COVID, it's been hard maybe for us to talk to people, to witness to people. But I was awakened at 4.30 yesterday morning and the Lord just spoke to me concerning, let me introduce you to Jesus. And I don't think we should, when we can certainly help it, not allow COVID or anything stop us 
from witnessing for Jesus, introducing people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice, read with me the introduction because it's very important. The believer's mission is to introduce others to Jesus. The most productive time, listen to this now, of introducing others to Jesus for many Christians is the first two years after they become a Christ follower. One reason because is the period of time in which they have the most vital connection with non-believers. We first get saved. We're connected with a lot of non-believers because we are or we were non-believers. After the first two years, most new believers spend more time with Christians. They cultivate friendships with other believers. The pool of people they associate with don't know, who don't know Christ shrinks. Think about that. We can overcome this tendency by intentionally, and that's what I hope we'll do today, make up in our mind that we are intentionally going to cultivate relationships with non-believers, including them in our daily in our weekly activities. I want, I want to tell you about three people, three people that introduced others to Jesus Christ, bringing others to Jesus. And we've read this, and so I won't go back and read much of it again because we just read it from John chapter 1. Andrew. Andrew was taught. In fact, he was the first disciple. He was taught to introduce people to Jesus by who? John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God. And we are to introduce people to Jesus by telling them, look upon Jesus. Accept Jesus Christ. Look how much he loves you. Look what he will provide. The songs this morning spoke to my heart, ministered to my heart, and this message just kept going over and over in my mind. Andrew, the brother of Peter, was the first of 12 apostles to meet Jesus. Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. And you'll find that where we just read how that as soon as Andrew, in fact, we have a ministry here. We started it back in 1991. And we have a ministry here called the Andrew Ministry. It's not functioning as good as it should function right now. But it's a ministry where we introduce people to Jesus. It's a soul-winning ministry. And so we find that Andrew brought people to Jesus. And you'll find in St. John 12 where the, there were Greeks. They first of all came to Philip. You know what they said? We would see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. And the world might not know it, but that's really what they want. They may be going to and fro and seeking here, seeking there, but they really, really, deep down inside, they need to see Jesus. And so these Greeks came to Philip, and you know what he does? The very first thing, he goes to Andrew. He didn't say, well, I want the glory for this, or I'm going to take these Greeks these Gentile people, I'm going to take them to Jesus myself. No, he sought out Andrew. And, he, and, the Bible, and I love this. The Bible says, and they both carried them and introduced them 
to Jesus Christ. A team effort. God used this, and God and Jesus usually sent the disciples out by two, and it's important. And so they introduce these Greeks to Jesus Christ. So you have Andrew, a, a powerful, and throughout Andrew, he's the, he's the one that just had such a powerful ministry of introducing people to Jesus Christ. Second person I want to talk about is Philip. Philip, my friend, as soon as he, uh, as Jesus told Philip, said, come and follow me. Are we hearing that voice today? Am I listening? Are my ears open to where I can hear Jesus Christ tell me, come and follow me? Come and follow me. And as soon as Philip started following Jesus Christ, he had to immediately go find Nathaniel. And he tells Nathaniel, hey, I, I found the Messiah. I found Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel had something to say. He said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. And it was such an insignificant city or town, rather, and it had a bad, bad reputation. So the cog started turning in Nathaniel's head, and he said, I don't know about that. I don't know. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Rather than uh, Philip arguing with him, well, let me tell you what, I think it's okay. He didn't, he said, come and see. So when you're witnessing somebody and they want to have an argument, say, wait a minute, try it. Let me tell you what he's done for me. Let me introduce you to someone that's changed my, don't argue with them. Philip didn't argue with Nathaniel. He took him. And all the way to see Jesus, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming. And he said to him, you're an Israelite and one whom there is no deceit. You are a true, true, honest person. Nathaniel said, how did you know me? Let me tell you something. You may not know Jesus, but he knows you. You may not know all he's doing today in this day and hour, but he knows what you're doing. He knows where we are. And Nathaniel just could not believe. Jesus said, wait a minute, Nathaniel, Nathaniel. Before Philip ever got to you, when you were sitting under that fig tree, I saw you. Isn't it wonderful to know? Now, for people that don't live right, that might be threatening. But for those that live right, that's a great comfort. At night, <clears throat> when I don't feel him <clears throat> and things are not going well, or during the day when trials come and the enemy is throwing everything he can at you, it's good to know that Jesus knows where we are. And he speaks to every, he calls us everyone by name. I know you. When you were lying in that bed and tears were falling down your face, I, I saw you. When you were so hurt because of what someone had done, because of the loss of a loved one, when you went through that, I saw you. Isn't that comforting? 
It is so comforting to know that Jesus, Jesus sees us. Jesus sees us. Now, something that was interesting to me, and I read it to us a while ago, was John the Baptist. Twice, he said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away this. You know, one thing I love about John, John was so popular, all of the people, I mean, man, he could have written a book, he could have had his own television program. He was so popular because everyone, were, everyone was coming out to see him. And John said, he must increase, but I must decrease. John espoused a nation to its lover and stepped aside. Can we do that? Can we introduce someone to Jesus? John even told his disciples, and his disciples went, started following Jesus. There is no indication whatsoever that John was jealous because Jesus took his disciples. But something that he said was really interesting to me. He said, I didn't know him. Did you know that John and Jesus were relatives? Now, Luke says they were cousins, but that was a word that was used as a, uh, not necessarily, a, but they were, they were relatives in some measure. In fact, when, uh, when Elizabeth, John's mother, was pregnant with uh, John, six months, six months pregnant, wow, and and Mary comes in and gives her salutation. You know what happened? The baby leaped. And the Bible says that then, that moment, when the mother of Jesus Christ gave a, how do you do, or good to see you, or good morning, all of a sudden the baby leaps and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Ghost. That's powerful. That's powerful. I don't know if Jesus and John played with each other and worked with each other, but they knew each other. But twice, John says, I didn't know him. I didn't know him until God said to me, the one that you see, the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove and landing on him. He's the one. You see, John didn't know Jesus until the great revelation of the Holy Spirit revealed it. And when you and I are witnessing, when we're talking to someone, we need to go with the anointing of God in our life. We need to go with the same anointing that Christy had on her this morning. You talk about an angel this morning. That girl was an angel in this pulpit this morning. The Holy Ghost was all over her. So it says, I want to see the Lord move. You can't see it much better than that right there. And when we go witness to someone, we should go with the Holy Spirit. Because you can't convince anyone. I don't care how good we are. I don't know how great our words are. I don't care. But when we go in the power and the anointing and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, when we pray, Lord, I'm going to go speak to John. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm going to go speak to this person. God, give me the words to say. Holy Spirit, 
Give me a divine appointment. Divine appointment. Got to do that. And when you start witnessing, when you start telling someone and introducing someone to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will take your words and will take the anointing and place it upon their ears and they'll say, wow, I didn't know that. We think maybe we can do it ourselves and all by ourselves. We can't. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Highway 403. Highway 403 was a state highway that ran all the way from Clinton, North Carolina, to Faison, the little sleepy Mayberry town of Faison. We never went to Faison hardly. We live halfway between. We live halfway between Faison and Clinton. We, uh, we used to call it Clun. It was lazy. Clun. I moved up here, and now we called it Clinton. It's amazing. But there was a lot that went on on Highway 403. We were raised there. Mama, Daddy, the three kids. That was our life. We went from our place to granddaddy's. And what was between our place and our grandfather's was Gilmore River. And Junius and I, we would ride horses and mules and bicycles. I mean, that, that, that was our life for years. We went to town maybe once or twice a year. But we, we really, really, really lived in that area. Now we went to school and Hopton High School was away, way away in, 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 in Newton Grove and we attended there and graduated from there. But in that community was a little church by the name of Mount Vernon Missionary Baptist Church. Mount Vernon Missionary Baptist Church. We attended that church. Now, I was only... Uh, seven and eight years old. But I remember it. I remember Mount Vernon Missionary. It was a wood, it was a, a wood church or, and, and uh, not many years after it was built, it burned down. That whole church burned down. Well, my grandfather, which owned a lot of land and uh, he owned uh, barns, and all kind of buildings. Granddaddy Ganey opened up his, uh, I forget what we call that. Oh, thank you, said. Hadn't heard that word in so long. Granddaddy opened up his pack house. Now, many of you won't recognize that name or recognize that description, but it was a pack house. It was a large building. So Granddaddy opened up that uh, pack house and that's where the congregation at Mount Vernon Missionary Baptist Church attended. We, that's where we went right there to church. They built a brand new brick church. I talked to the pastor of that church this week. And I, I, I'm just amazed at how it's grown. It's a beautiful, beautiful church now. They built onto it a large uh, church and some kind of congregation. Just wonderful. But we went to Bible school in that missionary 
Baptist church. And I remember it. And they talked about Jesus. They uh, used a lot of methods to tell the kids, us kids about Jesus. We uh, had a great time. But something happened on Highway 403. Reuben Jones came, and Reuben Jones was from Fedville. And he put up, he, he had a great tent ministry, large tent. And Reuben Jones was a major ministry for the, especially for the eastern part of North Carolina. Thousands and thousands of people. Well, he came and put up that tent, and my mother took us kids, and we went, and Mama got saved. She didn't know the Lord. We were going to church, but she didn't know the Lord. She cussed like a sailor. In fact, my mother said to God, she said, Now, Lord, if you really saved me, I pray that you would take cursing away from me. Now, I don't know if that's a good prayer to pray or not. I guess it is, because we just need to have be sanctified and get rid of all that stuff. But did you know my mother never cursed again? Never cursed again. She, I mean, when my mother got saved, she got saved. Back then, when you got saved, you got saved. You quit, you quit living together. You quit cursing. You quit drinking. Of course, now you can get saved and still do those things. And I don't know. I don't know. It's just different. It's just different. But mother really got saved. And she'd take us kids to church. And we went to a church in town called Butler Hill. Butler Hill Church. So here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm coming out of the Mount Vernon Church and been taught in Sunday school, been taught in Bible school. And I start going, we start going to uh, Butler Hill Church. Well, there was an elderly couple in that church that taught kids. Listen, you, you teachers and you workers in the church, never underestimate what God is doing through your ministries. And it doesn't matter how small the kids were. I was nine years old. I remember Brother and Sister Rowe. That was their name. Brother and Sister. They were so kind. He uh, used to work at the circus. He was quite a man, but he taught us about Jesus. And then one week, there was a couple of ladies, a couple of ladies that came and held revival at Butler Hill Church. And at nine years old, when they gave that altar call, I hit that altar. I felt like I was the most ungodly person in the world. I wept just like it was yesterday. I remember just like it was yesterday. I wept and cried my way into to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, when I was at Mount Vernon Baptist Church going to the, going to the Bible study, that was good. But I didn't know Jesus until I knelt on that altar and accepted him as my person. Just like John the Baptist. He needed somebody. He, he, he said, I didn't know him. He needed the Holy Spirit to reveal him, uh, Christ to him. So you have uh, Andrew, you have Philip. One of the greatest uh, scriptures and 
text that there is is St. John chapter 4. St. John chapter 4. Most of you, when I said that, know what that's all about. It's all about the Samaritan woman. The woman at the well. Jesus told his disciples, we've got to go through Samaria. And as you know, the Israelites or Israel or the Jewish people had absolutely nothing to do with Samaritans. They hated them. And the disciples and people couldn't understand why. Jesus said, I've got to go. There was a woman he went and ministered to. He sat down at the well. His disciples went to Walmart or went to McDonald's somewhere. I don't know where they went. to get a, They went to get some food. And he was there by himself. And this woman came with a water container to get water. And Jesus struck up a conversation. The greatest, one of the greatest conversations that you can ever read about. And most of you know how he talked about the living water. And he told her about it. And this great back and forth, great back and forth, great back and forth. If you'd ask of me, he said, I'll give you water that you'll never thirst again. She said, would you give that to me? But she said, how are you going to do that? You have nothing to draw with. Jesus wasn't talking about the natural water. He was talking about the spiritual water. And when this conversation had gone on down the road a little bit, Jesus said to this woman, he said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you've spoken right. You've had five husbands. Wow. I mean, now he's getting down to the brass stack. Now he's getting down to where she really lives. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. I mean, it's really amazing how he changed that woman's life. She was so excited. She was so moved by this man until she left her water pots at the well. She took off running. Follow me, if you will. The woman then left her water pot 4, 28 and 30. And went her way into the city and said to the men, said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now I've always wondered, why did she say that? Why did she say he told me all things that I ever did? All things that I ever did. Look at verse 25, if you can, Mark, of chapter 4. In this conversation that he was having with her, Jesus was having with her, he was telling her all about these things. Look what she says. Listen at verse 25. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. So it was something in the people's mind. The Samaritans thought when this Messiah comes, he's going to reveal things to us. He's going to tell things to us. And that's what impressed Nathaniel so. Jesus knew about Nathaniel. The wisdom, the knowledge, 
All of these things. And so she said to these men, come, see a man that's told me all things. They were looking for a man that will tell, that would help them, that would speak to them. One of the things I think this woman was saying, he knew I had five husbands. He knew I was living with a man, not even my husband. He told me all of these things, but he never criticized me. He revealed to me all of these things, but he told me he loved me. And I felt such love from this man. Though he, though he told me these things, I felt such love. Let's finish this with verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. He knew all about me. He knew my ups and my downs. He knew all of my sins and my wrongs and my evil. He told me all things that I ever did. And yet he loved me. And yet he cared. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe. Not because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. What a transformation. Look at, look at it, it, number three under number two. The Samaritan woman, her zeal. It is impossible to be turned from darkness to light and remain impassive. We have people to come to the altar. People say they got saved and they don't change. You never hear them talking about Jesus. In fact, you'll be good to see them in church again. But when that darkness is turned into light, there's something that moves inside and changes an individual. And she was changed. She wisely acted on the spur of a moment. Now look at what I've got written here because it's very important for us that are going to witness for Jesus Christ. Nothing quenches fire like delay. You, you're convicted. You, the Holy Spirit is moving and God is speaking to you to witness or tell, talk to somebody and nothing quenches the fire like delay. If you put it off, many times you'll never do anything about it. But when you feel the fire burning, when you sense the zeal and the passion and the concern and the burden, move right then and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Had she waited, courage might have failed or excuses suggested. Jesus could depart. The water pot would impede her. She was thinking, I got to get over here. I got to go downtown. He may leave. God give the church an urgency today. God give the church. Help us, me and all of us. Help us, dear God, to understand that God is calling us with urgency. Tell somebody about Jesus. I don't care if the COVID's there. Maybe you might have to wear a mask. 
Maybe you might have to make some changes in some things. But I still believe that doors are open for you and I to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Not just on Sunday, but any day. We need to tell it. Brother Matt, and you guys, if you will come. Father, what a day. What a day. What a message, Lord. Not because I've preached it. Because I know you're dealing with the church. I pray against this, this virus pandemic. Lord, how it's handicapped church after church after church. My wife and I just heard of a church that's part of the fellowship. A large church in Kentucky. That many staff members, many of the ministers in the church has the virus and they've had to close the church and the school down. God, I pray that you'd help us not to use COVID as an excuse. I pray that we would not succumb to laziness. But God, help us to sense the fire. Help us to sense the urgency. Help us to realize and know that you're soon coming, Jesus Christ. Help us in Jesus' name. Would you stand as we sing?